Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Rozeal and I am the host of the show where I get to have conversations with Olympic athletes, hopefuls, and legends on their story and path to the games. And today, uh, this is the first time it's happening. You know, this is my podcast, so I wanted to do something different. This is the first in our series of world athletes. You know, obviously, I'm from the United States, and those are the athletes I care about and pay attention to the most. But I also realize that there are some other athletes out there that have incredible stories, and I just want to share those stories with all of you. So thank you so much for understanding and being appreciative. And, uh, you know, I'm very grateful that I had this opportunity. And the first athlete in our World Athlete Series is Kennedy Ustinen. She is a Canadian snowboarder, so, you know, just our neighbors to the north, not a big deal, um, who does a border cross. She competes in border cross, and she is an Olympic hopeful for 2022. Kennedy and I have an awesome conversation that ranges from uh, mindset to how she got into the sport and to some of the important people that are in her life and how she was able to increase her value and, and her ability in a very, very short time. So it was very fun to listen to, incredible to hear how she's been able to do what she's been able to do. And I'm just very thankful that I had the opportunity to speak to her, learn her story, and find more ways to share her story and all other athletes' story with you guys and girls out there. So thank you all so much. Uh, Before our interview with Kennedy, have you ever wanted to start your own podcast? I did, so I did. Um, Through Rob's help at launchingpodcast.com, I was able to learn everything from how to take my idea and turn it into my first four episodes and beyond. Rob goes over everything on what you need, how you need to do it, and where you need to get it. The reason I wanted to start my own very podcast was so that I could build brand awareness for my business. I wanted to create some incredible relationships and I wanted to just start to share some information with everybody out there through these athletes and their stories and I think I've done a relatively good job at that with more and more to come so if you're interested go to launchingpodcast.com promo code Mike and you get $50 off their step-by-step video course on how to create your very own podcast that's launchingpodcast.com promo code Mike to get $50 off and without further ado here is Kennedy Ustinen. All right, today, special guest, Kennedy Ustinen. Kennedy is our first non-U.S. Olympic athlete. Kennedy is from the Canadian Snowboard Association. She's an Olympic hopeful for 2022. She was born June 21st, 1996 in Rocky Mountain House, Alberta, Canada. She learned how to ski at the age of four and snowboard at the age of 10, played hockey, gymnastics, baseball, volleyball, basketball growing up. In March of 2018, she started her Olympic journey and eventually rose all the way to sixth at the final Canadian Nationals race in 2019, which is Sounds like a pretty quick ascent to me, but we'll get there. Uh, She also owns a degree in hairstyling and a lawn maintenance business with 36 clients while in high school. Kennedy already connected with that. Kennedy and I already connected about how much our our love for lawn maintenance. So we're going to hop right into the Olympic side. So Kennedy, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Michael. It's awesome to um, be doing this podcast with you, and I'm super excited about all the opportunities that this is going to bring for me. Absolutely. Let's get your story out there, man. I think it's a really cool one, so anything to uh, to help some, some athletes out and uh, learn a little bit more about you and let you have this pretty cool platform. Uh, I've been grateful enough to, to build a little bit. Super happy about that. So, yeah, I guess let's start. Um, Rocky Mountain House, Alberta, Canada. Sounds like a place skiers and snowboarders would come from. So if you don't mind, I guess tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up there. Um, so Rocky Mountain House is in central Alberta, and it's called central Alberta because it's literally in the middle of all of the biggest cities. So you got Banff, Jasper, Edmonton, and Calgary, and Rocky Mountain House is literally two and a half hours from those ski hills and two hours from those big cities. So smack dab in the middle. That being said, it is a quite small town. There's only about 7,000 people there. So growing up in a small town, um, yeah, everybody knows you, you know everybody. It's kind of an interesting experience. I graded with about 400 kids. So as wow. you can see, yeah, you pretty much know everybody. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, so you, your graduating class was 400, you said? Sorry, there was 400 kids in my high school. So oh, my grad class yeah. was only 100. Uh, that that makes more sense because I was going to say my graduation class was about 500, um, but the, the area I grew up oh. in is like suburbia essentially. So a mile and a half down the road was another high school that had like a graduating class of about a thousand and a mile and a half up the road, there was another gra- uh, high school with a graduating class of like 
400. Um, so that's in a very small area, but that makes more sense. 7,000 people yeah. in your entire town. Yeah. Um, obviously it's the only thing you knew growing up. Um, but now that you maybe you've gotten out and seen other parts of the country, other parts of the world, um, that's gotta be pretty, like, like when was the first time you left to go see? Cause I guess with all the cities nearby, that probably wasn't too difficult, but what was that first time like being like, Oh, that's not, this is not how the world really works. Like that's not how the world looks, huh? <laughs> um, I mean, my family did travel like some when I was younger, but I would say the first time that I like really realized how small our, our town was, was my family vacation to like Spokane and Kelowna in the summer times. Cause Rocky mountain house, you don't really get, that um, hot or long of a summer you experience about eight months of summer and then like maybe two weeks of over maybe two weeks of over 26 weather stand out across three months so we would always go somewhere and get some hot weather for the summer but yeah moving to Kelowna was like huge for me I loved that it was not a huge city but it's a little a smaller city in um, uh, the Okanagan in BC and um yeah i loved it there and i actually moved there when i turned 18 after graduating high school and um yeah it was yeah it was i don't know it was just good to like yeah see a bigger city and just realize whoa i came from somewhere super small and i kind of already knew that because rocky mountain house is a like a small oil town and a farming town so very redneck very hick <laughs> um and yeah just yeah. Very yeah. eye-opening. I love it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I have friends that love trucks, and man, more power to them. I got, I got nothing against that. Uh, but yeah, definitely going to a new place, a new city, and uh, just kind of seeing how other people live and, and maybe how different it is, and maybe some of the things you like and don't like, I think is always a really eye-opening experience. I had that at one point in my life, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so it was very, very cool. Um, so... How so? You started skiing very young at four, and then snowboarding a few years later. Where and I guess why was that transition made um, from skiing to snowboarding? I'm sure I'm sure you do both of them still, but why? What was it about snowboarding that caught your attention at at ten years old? Um, well, the transition happened at age ten because um, you know my parents they're a little bit older for how old I am. Um, they just had us at a later age, which is totally cool and super fine. Um, but in that time as well, because of when they were born, snowboarding was still like, kind of had that stigma around it. Like it was that newer sport, and, you know, that negative stigma that was there like quite a few years ago. And so they were always like, no, 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 you're not, you're not doing that. You're not doing that sport. And I just remember like begging them literally begging them for like years to let me switch and um yeah then they finally let me and I don't really know what about the sport was pulling me but like I just always knew like there was something I had to have two feet strapped to that board <laughs> I love it I love it that is yeah I mean I um I'm not the best person to talk to about skiing or snowboarding. There's a whole reason behind it, but I think that that's super cool. And, you know, if, if something was calling you and you were able to finally, uh, as you said, strap, strap your two feet to the same piece of, uh, I know it's not wood, but let's be a little facetious. Uh, I think that that's pretty important. And you were able to finally start doing that. It's really cool. Um, and then, so the hairstyling and lawn maintenance, I'm not going to lie to you here. They're a little different. Just a little, not, not polar opposites, but a little different. I'm kind of curious where, where did the love of, lawn maintenance and hairstyling come from and how do we combine that into one business i'm really curious that that's where i think the pinnacle is <laughs> well they both cut things so I nice mean, there's okay a, there's a connection already there um, already there they don't have anything to do with each other um i grew up in a very entrepreneurial family my father's a financial advisor um owns his own business there so um he actually started the lawn maintenance business with my oldest brother when my brother was 13 and um he obviously grew the business and then when i was 16 so five years after the business had been started myself and my younger brother actually purchased the business from our older brother and um at the time we purchased it with 18 clients and we doubled it of course because there was two of us so we just we just yeah. made it double right i love it um then um yeah we ran that for like four years and of course I loved it. It was great. It was great. So there wasn't actually any pressure from my parents. They just said, you know, whatever you want to do, like go out and do it. And we're, we're happy to support you. And, you know, as long as you have a plan and 
concise ideas, then that's cool. So I said, all right, well, I'm going to move to Kelowna and I'm going to go and just casually snowboard and work a little bit and live off of the savings that I have from my lawn maintenance business. And um, yeah, I just went out there and found myself basically. And I had a roommate at the time and she pretty much from day one, um, she had always said to me, Hey, you're really good at like, you always style your hair really nicely. And you know, you're pretty good at it. Like you should go into hairstyling. And when I was 18, I was like, nah, like not a chance. You know, I, um, I was just running this lawn maintenance business. Now you think I should be a hairstylist? Like, no way that's not for me. And, um, yeah, as the years went on, I actually took three years off after high school instead of one. And, um, yeah, then I just had this idea one day and, I'm sure it was rooted from my roommate drilling it into my head for like two years. But yeah, I was like, Hey, hairstyling is kind of cool. Um, maybe I should do that. And, um, another thing too, actually, when I was in high school, I had done aptitude testing. I don't know if you know what that is, but there's a place in Seattle called the Johnson O'Connor aptitude center. And they just, they just run a series of exams. Some of them are hands-on, some of them are visual numbers, music, just all these different kinds of tests and then after those exams they give you a list of um, careers that just you're not you would naturally be good at so I have good finger dexterity um, my brain works really quickly I'm good with colors and good with people just all of these things and hairstyling actually hits I would say nearly every single one of my aptitudes so it works out hey um, yeah if you enjoy it shoot why not right yeah, exactly. So that's kind of cool. I went to school for that. And um, that was in 2017, 2018 as well. So the exact same winter that I got into border cross. Mm -hmm. I love it. Oh, great segue. You could do this professionally, I think. Great segue. Um, but I do have a couple <laughs> questions about that first. So I've been kind of yeah. brainstorming. I, I, I was brainstorming ideas before we got here. And I do think that there's an opportunity to con combine these two businesses. Obviously, the lawn maintenance, you go out, you get the clients, you get the really, really nice houses and hope that there is a stay-at-home mom or dad there. And then while your brother's mowing the lawn, you go in, you style their hair. It's like an all-encompassing, perfect, like cut color, cut and color. Like it's perfect. I love it. Cut color, cut and um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Whatever. It trim. doesn't matter. It was great. Yeah, trim. Perfect. Whatever. I love it. Trim the hedges. Love it. There we go. There we go. Awesome. All right, cool. So border cross. I've seen it. Border cross. Tell me about it though. I watch it once every four years. I'm not going to lie to you, Kennedy. Um, tell me about it. Explain it to me. And again, as, as we did with snowboarding before, what drew you to the sport? That is pretty unique. Like kind of on, it's like snowboarding, but it's like all the way over here, I guess I'd say. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> it actually kind of has stemmed from my older brother, he's, you know, always encouraged me to just do me. And um, I've always like had a need for speed. I don't know the adrenaline, maybe it's because I grew up between two brothers. And um, yeah, so he has always said to me, you know, like, you're pretty like well-rounded athlete. Obviously, you've competed in several sports and been very good at them. Um, and, you know, I think that he had actually done a little bit of um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Mm, he'd researched the sport a little bit and kind mm. of knew that it was, you know, you need endurance, you need agility and you need strength and all these sorts of things. And, um, yeah, there's just lots of aspects that go into it. Of course, there's lots of, lots of things happening when you're in the course. So yeah, he kind of had inspired me and said like, you're, you're well, well-rounded athlete. You know, I think that if you put your put your efforts into this like you could probably excel pretty quickly and of course I was like oh yeah like the Olympics would be cool and that was sort of when I was 17 18 um, and then I moved to Kelowna and uh, then I just sort of casually snowboarded and kind of did the young adult thing we all know what the young adult thing is um, <laughs> and then yeah of course like I said when I went to school then I kind of got more serious about the dream and I had entered into a fun race in big white and it was a psychic slalom. So that was cool. But that, uh, that's what really got me into it. Um, border cross though. What is it? Please. It is a, 
it is a race with um, three or five other opponents at the higher levels you race in a heat of six at the national level you race race in a heat of four um, you start in a gate you pull yourself out of that gate and typically there is like a down drop with an immediate uphill slope um, and that's called like your start section then there would be like some technical moves um, some rollers some drops um, you, essentially you're doing like ollies to get through that um, and then you have a large course with jumps and berms and rollers so quite technical stuff and mm -hmm. you want to be producing as much speed as you can on those features so as you go through the course you gain speed um so you're getting going quite quick by the end of it and um yeah it's basically an obstacle course with obstacle humans and again it's a race so you're trying to get to that bottom line as quickly as you can um, that's what i like about border cross because it's concise pretty much everybody can grasp the idea of it first past the line wins right mm -hmm. that um, part is kind of nice i do like that and that's the, like the one thing with a lot of like um the judge sports um it's subjective and i mean i i am a subjective person and i live like that but when it comes to sports it's no i just want to know who won like in football and baseball whoever scored more wins like this is something it's a race first to the end wins you know you go through the course however you get there first you get there first i'm sure there's penalties and bs along the way but at the same time i completely agree with you it's nice it's just who got there first you win great job congrats yeah, that's what I've always said about the sport. It's really like um, crowd appealing, um, which the sport's so new that I don't actually think there is a large audience for it. But because of that aspect, I think that it has a lot of room to grow and expand. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's it's super interesting. As I said, I've only, I only watch it once every four years. And it was recently, it used to be in the X Games. And now, if I'm not mistaken, it's not in the X Games anymore. So I don't even get to watch it once a year now. I only get to watch it once every four years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's super interesting, super cool. And it's obviously has a lot of room to grow. So why not? Um, why not you be at the forefront of it, Kennedy? Why not? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's basically what I've been saying. So love it. Love it. Love it. Um, all right, cool. So let's talk about the, the race in March of 2018, which essentially started your Olympic journey. Um, tell me about I mean, was this like just a little recreational race with some other people that are like, yeah, this sport sounds cool. Like, tell us a little bit more about that race. Like, um, you obviously told us why you got into it, but specifically about that race, who was there, what were you doing? And, and kind of at what point did it like really grab a hold of all of your attention? Yeah. So actually prior to that March race, I competed in a fun race with my buddies in January. And okay. Oh, the psychedelic kind of, rock and roll race. That was kind of the push. Yeah. Okay. Um, I whooped their asses. Huh. Sorry, am I allowed to swear on this yeah, podcast? It's, whatever, but, it's just ass. It's not that's not that big a deal. <laughs> whooped their asses, yeah. So they were like, Oh, you're pretty, you know, it's pretty cool. Why don't you do this? And I said, you know, always thought about it. So at that point I reached out to the head of BC Snowboard and um I I'd known that there was a few like higher level races in Big White because I'd been there for four years and I had seen them. And so I just reached out and said, like, hey, is there a race coming up? And is there one that I can compete in? And how do I basically compete in that race? And she said, yep, there's a provincial series. You do need a coach. Um, I'll reach out and see if I can find you one. So she found me a coach out of Smithers, BC. He was coming out with four or five athletes. And um, he just, yeah, he took a chance on me. And it worked out. Um, I actually placed first in that race. And... Like I said, it was a provincial series, so it was just age category. Um, unfortunately, there wasn't any girls my age. The girls I were comp was competing against were, uh, there was a 19-year-old, two 18-year-olds, and a 16-year-old, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, though, those girls have been competing in border cross for at least a year or two, so mm -hmm. that was kind of neat for me to go in there and get that initial experience at a provincial level. Um, in that same week, that coach that I had had told me that nationals were coming the next week. And um, he asked if I wanted to compete in it. And I was kind of like, am I allowed to? Like, <laughs> don't you have to qualify or anything? And he was like, no, at this level, like anybody can enter into it. You just need to have a coach again. So um, the BC snowboard coach decided to take me on for that race. And um, 
yeah, it was good. I was very, very humbled. I came nearly dead last. Um, but I did meet another coach and he was out of Whistler and he runs a private team. And the original coach from Smithers had told me that that coach could basically coach me to any level that I desired. And so I was like, Oh, all right, this is my guy. Like, how do I, how do I start training with him? Mm -hmm. You know? So I found his team on, on, um, the internet, the interweb. (laughs) And, uh, I sent a couple emails out, didn't really get a response after like a month and a half. And I was like, man, like, this is the guy, like, I just had this feeling, like, this is the guy that's, like, going to get me into this sport. And so I actually decided to just creep him on Facebook. And I actually sent him a Facebook message. And, um, yeah, I basically just said, this is who I am. This is how long I've been snowboarding. I've been in border cross for 35 seconds now, but this is my goal. So can you take me on? And um, I, th- I can't remember how long I how long it took to get a response, but essentially I heard back from him and then heard from him once or twice over the summertime. And then it was about October and, you know, I had started seeing a personal trainer cause that's what he had recommended I do. And, um, you know, the, the snow season was approaching again and I was kind of like, Oh, like I haven't heard from him. I don't know if I'm going to be on a team this year. Like not really sure what's happening, but you know, I still kept my hopes high and was, you know, keen to race again the following season. And then like the first week of October, I got an email from him and the subject line was continental team cup update. And I was like, continental cup team update whoa like am I actually getting this email right now it was so surreal like I I don't know I I was like speechless and just stood up stood and looked at my phone for like 10 minutes um but yeah then I went to Austria with his team of coaches and there were some of the best athletes in the world there and I spent a month training and um yeah then that brought me back to uh the North American tour which was in 2019 that started in Panorama and um excuse me. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's where it all started. And, um, that time frame last summer was really interesting for me because I, um, have always been, I was always raised in like a, you can type of mindset. And that whole summer, I just was like, you know, what, I'm going to be, I'm going to be training with the team in, in the winter. And uh, yeah, then it happened. So it's pretty exciting time for me put it out in the universe, the universe will bring it back. I'm a huge believer in that. So that is super cool. I mean, that's, that's a great story. I mean, I don't know what I would have done if it would took that long to get a, a, a message back. I mean, he could have definitely just been like, Hey, yeah, let's, de- let's talk. You know, phone calls only take three minutes. Like, but nope. Hey, he made you sweat and clearly uh, seems like it worked. Uh, so I think that that's really, really cool. Uh, what is his name? Can we give him a shout out? John Shelley. Thanks, John. We appreciate your help. Um, That is fantastic. So uh, another question that I have for you around that, um, what, like, what was his initial, like, so was that first email you got from him just like, hey, yeah, you're here? Or was there a conversation? Like, how, how did that all work and happen that he was just like, yeah, okay, cool. You can, you can come on. Like, did he test you out, try out anything like that? No. So basically that like first response that I got from him was kind of like very, he didn't give me much to be honest. Mm -hmm. And so that's why in October I still was like, Oh, like, I don't even know what's happening. Cause he had basically like the guy had never seen me ride. We had one conversation in our snow gear at the top of a track. And essentially he had basically um, criticized some athletes in the track and I was like hmm, you're kind of the coach that, that I think I would like and um, yeah so that, that that initial message was more or less just like all right cool like what what kind of physical ability do you have um, what kind of summer sports do you do and he asked if I mountain biked I said no and that's kind of just when he he had just said like Hey, if you're serious about this, like make sure that you're training properly in the gym. And I was like, all right, cool. So then I was like, all right, I'm just going to go get a trainer and train in the gym. And then, you know, I didn't really hear from him after that. And, um, yeah, I just 
just hoped for the best. And he had said like that he was still winding up with his, um, with his spring, spring, I don't know. Oh God, what Mm -hmm. am I looking for here? Uh, his invoicing. So he hadn't even started planning for the next season yet when I had reached out to him. So he essentially, he didn't even have any information for me at that time. Um, And then, yeah, then when I reached out to him, like mid season, he still was like, yeah, I don't really have a plan yet. And then of course I heard from him in October, but um, once he emailed me in October, we did have a phone conversation and he basically said, you know, like I've never seen you ride before. I don't know where your level is at. This is what we're doing. And I've been thinking about you all summer. So you're more than welcome to come to Austria and train with us. Yeah. That was, that was like, that was huge for me. That's kind of nice. Like super cool, you know? Um, Yeah. So he basically was just like, haven't seen you ride. I don't really know where you're at, but if you, if you have a fire inside of you for this sport, like I definitely recommend that you go to Europe. There's going to be the best athletes there. You'll definitely get a feel for what it's like. Um, and yeah, he had given me an either option because of course traveling from Canada all the way to Europe for a month wasn't exactly the cheapest thing to do for my first training camp. Um, but he said that, you know, if, if, that, if that was what I wanted to do, it would be well worth the money. So he did give me another option at the time instead of going there to go to Whistler in December and train with one of his coaches, um, just one-on-one. And, um, you know, looking back, that probably would have, that probably would have been a great option as well. But going to Europe was, a, was an awesome experience and just meeting all those athletes. And, um, yeah, it was an awesome time. So, yeah. When spending time with other people doing something you love, I mean, you can just learn from them. You can see the mistakes and the successes that they have, but then also just the conversation around the sport. Um, you know, as, as, as you put it, he said, this will light a fire under you. And I'm assuming spending time with them, um, during the ups and the downs of the training helped to really just kind of, uh, you know, add fuel to that fire. You know, it's one thing if you go train one-on-one with someone, you might get that personal touch, but at the same time, spending time in a team environment, especially being so young in the sport, I think would have been super helpful um, and clearly was super helpful compared to the the other option. Yeah, and really honestly, when I got to that camp, like I had been on a snowboard since I was 10, but I um, I was snowboarding at a very, very very amateur level and going to that camp like I shit my pants because I was the friggin underdog like you have no idea how much of an underdog I was like I cried I cried like several times I do have actually like obviously I don't have a great idea but considering you've only competed in what two events at this point yeah. So I'm really that surprised that you were the heavy underdog um, and everyone was really kind of blowing by you. But that doesn't matter because that was so long ago and now we're here um, and you're still doing what you're doing. And I love that. And I think it's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, so one thing I want to talk about a little bit more specifically with that, I mean, I guess tell us about your time over in Europe and, and what it was like and, and how much you felt yourself increase in that period of time. Um. Honestly, at that time, I was very hard on myself, and um, I definitely, definitely saw lots of improvement and lots of increases, but at the time, I was just so consumed in the fact that, like, I was the underdog, and um, I think leaving there, I knew that I had made lots of improvements, but I still was so stuck in the fact that I was so far away from where everybody else was at and that was hard that was hard on my ego um that being said it was very good for me as well like uh super super growing time in my life um but yeah I got there and I hadn't met anybody I flew overseas to meet like 20 athletes and five coaches I basically never even met before so that was that was a cool experience as well um we got there and um we basically were on snow the first day. I wasn't though, which was an interesting time. I flew across the world and my luggage didn't show up. Ugh. That was nice. 
I never check bags. I never check bags for that reason. I also (laughs) don't have that much to fly with. It's like my laptop, my charger, and like two pairs of pants. So after that, I'm pretty solid. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I've I will never check a bag. Um, So what? So not only are you the new kid, uh, everybody's kind (laughs) of pretty much like pointing and laughing at you at that point too, right? That's not like actually pointing, be like, "Ha, new kid!" But like that's probably how you felt. I'm assuming. Oh, that's totally how I felt. Um, yeah, but then my luggage showed up and, you know, it was all right and got on snow and started training and we were on snow. Well, I was in Austria for 28, no, 30 days. And I was on snow for, um, oh God, I'm trying to think now, 20, 21 days, 20 to 21 days we were on snow. That's so odd. we had about, we would ride for three or four days straight sometimes five days straight and then have like one day rest so that was super cool Mm -hmm. um and in a place like austria the uh the picturesque mountains i'm sure uh made those those really uh the the later days in those runs probably a little easier uh which is kind of nice yeah it was beautiful there the yeah the mountains in austria were just gorgeous i actually recently purchased a canvas for my hometown bedroom and the mountains remind me of the mountains there so that's kind of kind of cool there we go Um, there we go yeah and there was actually a race at the end of the training camp um i didn't compete in it just for the reason that it was a europa cup and a europa cup is kind of in between the north american tour level and the world cup level um so yeah, I didn't compete in that, but I got to see it and I got to see just like what level those, those athletes are competing mm-hmm. at and sort of where my goal is to be um, for this season actually. So that was super cool. Um, again, a little bit, yeah, a little bit devastating for me that I wasn't able to compete just because of my large goal. Right. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Still a super good time. But yeah, I'm sure it was still incredible. Um, And just for people out there to understand, so it's essentially three levels, if I'm not mistaken, North American Cup, Continental Cup, or Europa Cup, it sounds like, and then World Cup, right? Um, Yeah, so for Canadians, we just have to go through. Okay. Yeah, so for Canadians, we just have to go through the North American Tour, the World Cup, and then get to the Olympics. Okay. But there is another level of racing called the Europa Cup, and that's essentially what Europeans – that's their first level, I believe. Oh. Um, that would be mm. the North American tour. Very cool. Yeah. I love it. All right. That's that's fantastic. It's always good to know. Yeah. Um, I feel that the Europa Cup is a little bit of a higher level than the North American tour, just because there's more athletes out there mm-hmm. um, competing, right? So That makes sense. I respect that. Um, and you were talking about it before, like one of the things, even though you felt like you're, you got significantly better at what you were doing while you were there, um, your mindset was not that great coming home. So tell us how you've been able to fix your mindset. Um, yeah, so when I was in Austria, actually, somebody that I had worked with in a restaurant in Kelowna, Danielle Grant, she's a mindset mentor, and she had actually reached out to me like five days after I got to Austria. And before I had left, I had kind of told her what I was doing. And then, yeah, she reached out to me and she said, hey, uh, I think it's super cool what you're doing and um, I would love to sponsor you. And I was like, whoa, that's really cool. Like, what do you even do? And she was like, okay, well, I help people transform their lives and help them uh, like align with themselves. And by doing that, you know, I call myself a mindset mentor. Essentially, essentially what she does is, you know, you just have a conversation with her and she helps um, like rephrase the negative things that come out of your mouth so that you can change your, how you think, Mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. you speak. Um, And yeah, so that was super cool to meet her in that time. And um, yeah, just coming back to Canada, you know, I knew I had learned all of these things, but sort of felt like, oh gosh, I'm the underdog. And Danielle was a huge player in that, you know, just being like, hey, you know, you're only at the beginning. You've only started. You've only been in this sport for like 35 seconds. Like, don't get down on yourself. You still have 
all of this time, all of these years to get to the level that you need to be at, of course you're not going to be at that level right off the bat. And I think that was probably the biggest thing for me, just being reminded um, that I was just at the beginning. So of course I was going to be at the beginning stages of my training. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think, um, oh, keep going. Yeah. And I was just going to say that, um, like with that mindset work, I do lots of journaling and just like having conversations with yourself. That's huge for me. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is very important. I, one, one quote that I always try and remind myself of is be careful how you talk to yourself because you're always listening um, and kind of always making sure that you're looking at, not just looking at the positive side, but saying the positives and, and understanding why they're much more impactful than the negatives. And when you do start saying negative things, how to quickly be aware of that and just stop that take a deep breath and then switch back to the positives and the, um, the things that can help because thinking negatively isn't going to do anything for you. It kind of just hinders whatever you're trying to do anyway. So who cares? It's pretty much a waste of effort at that point. Um, so let's, let's go back to the positives, which I think is really important. So I think that's really cool. Um, we share some, something, a couple things in common. Now we both had lawn maintenance business. No, I'm kidding. Um, but definitely, uh, thank you so much for that. I think it's super important to understand kind of how you've been able to hone, not just your skills, but also your, your brain and your mind, um, which is, I mean, your brain controls way more than we really even understand yet. So I think one of those things is continuously feeding uh, good information to yourself is only gonna, is only gonna help. So super important. Yeah. I would, um, I would agree with that big time. Thank you. See, maybe I could be professional at this too. Look at that. Um, <laughs> so another thing I want to talk about. So then after, so you're in Europe, you're done there. The first season back here, um, on North American soil. I was going to say the States, but I caught myself. So you're welcome. Uh, the first time back here on North American soil. Um, tell us about that first season, uh, which was essentially just ended recently, right? If I'm not mistaken. So yeah, tell us about your first yeah. season in border cross and what it was like now being a professional sponsored border cross athlete. <laughs> um, so the North American tour started in Panorama, BC and that race, there was quite a few of the higher level athletes there. Um, so some of the world cup level athletes are still like, they're allowed to still compete at the North American level. Um, and some of those athletes had actually been to the Olympics in 2018. So Super it was cool, cool to, yeah, cool to, you know, be on the same track as them. Um, at that panorama race, I placed 40th out of like 50 girls. So not last place, not last place. And, um, of course I was, you know, hoping for a better placement, but it didn't happen. Um, and at that, at that race, we actually stayed there for two weeks and we got to train on that course after the race. So that was super cool to, you know, sort of, see where I was at right at the beginning of the camp and then two weeks later see where I was at again and at that camp as well I actually felt some major major tough love from my coaches just in regards to in regards to my goal so um, of course again another major major growing moment for me and yeah having those coaches that are sitting there saying we see you we see what you're doing we see what you want to do and this is where we think, and this is where we know you have to go. And they just really pushed me. And that was super cool. After that, I went to big white with, um, some of the, just, I think there was five, five girls. And we actually went there and competed, um, in a fist race, which is just a, just a race where you can get points for border cross. Um, and that helps you with your ranking as well. And we spent two weeks on snow there. After that, we went to Quebec and um, Ontario, and we competed in two more races out there. That's part of the um, Speed Nation Tour. And then after that, I went back to Big White while some of the other athletes went down to the States to compete. Um, John Shelley has basically said to me, you know, until you're ready to go out and win it all, there's no point in traveling and going to all of the races. You're better off to just go and snowboard and hone your skills and get better in that aspect. Because when you're paying thousands of dollars to go and compete in a race, or maybe not even compete in a race, if you're not qualifying to race in heats, then you're basically just sitting around and not doing anything, right? So mm-hmm. I decided to go back to Big White and spend uh, how many weeks did I have on snow there? eight or nine weeks on snow and I actually went out to Whistler and spent like two days one-on-one with John 
So that was super cool. And then, yeah, I came back to Big White and competed in Canadian Nationals again. And that's where I placed sixth in this past season. So, Congratulations. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. When I was out in um, Quebec and Ontario there, a few of the girls that had actually gotten on the podium, I beat them in Canadian Nationals in March. So that just All shows right. that that extra on snow really does. It makes a huge difference. Absolutely. That is, that is awesome. Congratulations on that. I mean, going, con- progressing that much in one season. I mean, obviously the, the most difficult part is to get into the top five and then, you know, move up from there. You know, it's a logarithmic scale, whatever we want to call it. I think I said that right. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so I think it's still incredible what you're able to do in, in, in just one season. Um, and, you know, super excited to see what season two brings. It's like a TV show now. You should make a TV show. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Um, hey, season one. About a- making- Say that again. I've talked about making a movie, so yeah. we'll see. I, I, could, I could talk to some people. I might, I might know a f- couple friends in Canada uh, that we could talk to to see if we can do anything like this. But that is super, super interesting. And, I mean, congratulations again. So did you see yourself? Like, could you feel the progression from race to race? Like, especially being so, so new to the sport, I feel like those first couple leaps and bounds are probably very noticeable between, you know, the start to the middle to the end. I think that from, like, just seeing – the very first race that I competed in was that provincial series. And then I did actually compete in Canadian nationals back in 2018. And that's where I placed like second last. Um, So one full year later, seeing where I was, I think that was the biggest, like, holy cow, look what you did. You, you really focused on training for like six months, basically from November until March. And um, just seeing, how how big of an impact focused training makes was huge I don't think that from race to race within my season I really felt that much of a difference or noticed that much of a difference again just because I was still like in that mindset of like okay get better get better focus on this focus on this um but that one year mark amazing super cool to see that progression I love it. Congratulations. That is just so cool. And yeah, that's a good point. I forgot that you raced in, in Canadian nationals the year before. Um, but it's awesome that you, uh, you progressed that much. And, and here we are now, he's talking to some random guy in New Jersey or halfway across the world. Um, let's talk about that a little bit now. You, so you flew to Melbourne and you're going to be there for four months. You're down in Australia. What's, um, what are you doing down there? Four months is a long time. Yeah, so the Australian winter is in the south. Um, there's four ski resorts here. The bigger ones are Perisher, um, Hotham, and Threadbow. So I'm in Hotham for the season. <clears throat> and there will actually be two border cross races here, and then one in Threadbow as well. So I'll compete in all of those. And um, yeah, I showed up here on June 22nd, I guess, so the day after my birthday. Happy birthday to me. Super cool. Not bad. Um, yeah. And um, I pretty much got on snow on the 23rd just to get out there, feel things out. And um, yeah, I've been on snow every day since I've been here. So that's super cool. And um, yeah, I'm just really honing all of those skills that I was taught and learned at the end of last season. And in about two weeks time, I do have an Australian coach that I met in Austria and he's going to come out and we'll spend some time on snow together and then we'll head to Threadbow for the first race. Very Um, cool. Yeah. Going all in, it looks like. So really kind of just throwing yourself. I mean, there's no other better way to do it, right? You just go and clearly Austria was super impactful, not only for meeting your teammates and some other, or meeting some, some, some of the other women as well as the coaches. And, um, but obviously when going out there, um, your mental, um, mental or your mindset mentor reached out to you as well. Danielle or Daniela? I apologize. Danielle. Just Danielle. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, uh, so she reached out to you cause you were going there. You met a coach, met some people. I mean, I just think that, you know, I, I don't believe, I don't, I don't like the cliche. Everything happens for a reason, but I think everything that happens has a reason, um, which is essentially the same thing. Just not being as cliche, I guess, uh, which is I think super cool. So you're going to be out in Melbourne for four months, just rocking and rolling. And then when it's winter again, you're just going to come home. Oh man. I mean, I guess you like the snow. I'm not a fan of the snow. So that just sounds terrible to me, but it sounds like you're going to have a blast while you're out there. 
yeah, I'm super excited to be in the snow again. And um, I didn't really have a summer when I was home in Rocky Mountain House for the eight weeks there in the intramural period of um, coming back to the winter. But once the snow season ends here in Australia around mid-September, I do have plans to go and see some beaches. So I very, will get a little bit of sunshine. <laughs> very well deserved. Um, where are the mountains in Australia? in um new south wales and victoria so those are that's like in the far south okay really i would have never guessed that's really interesting okay yeah because i i've i know nothing about australia i'll be honest yeah so essentially you can just think about it like the poles of the earth right canada's in the north Mm -hmm. australia's in the south so in the furthest south of australia there's actually snow I, I assume snow. I just didn't realize they had a bunch of mountains, big mountains out there. Um, uh, okay, yeah. That, 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 yeah, I know how the earth works. Thanks, Kennedy. I appreciate it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Um, well, but I no. Some people literally didn't know that Australia gets snow. Like, when I was coming out here, so many of my friends were like, you're going to Australia for the winter? What? They get snow there? Yeah. Okay. Well... All right. I'm not going to make fun of your friends. You can do that. Uh, but definitely <laughs> very, very cool. All right. So a couple last questions. One, 2022, you're shooting for gold. I respect the heck out of that. So Kennedy Ustinen, gold medalist 2022, has a pretty cool ring to it. I'm not going to lie. Kind of rooting for you to get second only because I've, some of the USA athletes could develop pretty good relationships with them. But if you come in first, I'm not going to be angry. Um, but if you can actually explain, how does the qualification process work? for the game so you're on the noram tour currently obviously you have to make it up to the world cup correct um to then do you is it a point qualification is it top so many from the country how exactly does that work and how how do you get into the running to potentially win the gold medal in 2022 so for myself as a canadian um once i get to that world cup level there's actually from what I understand, there isn't a specific set of qualifications. It might be, you know, get top five in three races, get podium at this specific race. Um, so just once that time comes, then I'll know better what the actual specific qualifications look like. Okay. That's um, good to know. Um, but you have, and because you're doing two winters a year, Good for you. Um, you still have like six winters left to go. So you're just yeah, going to double exactly. up on everything, get really good. Do you have any, do you know, are you, is a goal for you to be on the World Cup by next year or is that kind of a little more lofty? Because I mean, if you already finished second place in Canadian Nationals, uh, or uh, sixth place, I apologize, how, how much further do you need to go to qualify for the World Cup tour? So um, there's two ways to get to the World Cup level. Either one, you're on the Canadian Nationals team, which I am not yet. Um, Or if you um, like average podium all of your North American races, then the Canadian Association will recognize you as a high enough performing athlete and they'll give you your own spot at the World Cup level. And that spot is basically your name, um, which is super cool. Nobody can take that away from you. Uh, So that's my goal. We can give you new um, ones, though, which is kind of fun. Or we can start saying things a little different, but it is what it is. Um, (laughs) Is it it windy in your house by any chance? It's windy outside, yes. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I hear a little bit of a whistle. I was like, oh, my goodness. That sounds like winter. I mean, it's like 80... 90 degrees outside right now so i'm really glad that i don't hear any of that stuff but it's that is fantastic all right cool so 2022 gold medalist kennedy Ustinen, love it um last question that i have for you kennedy what is your post-career career obviously you're going to be doing snowboard cross for a very long time um there's an athlete on the the usa team that i've spoken with and developed a relationship with and she's in her going to be in her mid thirties by 2022. And she's like, I might even go for 2026. Like, that's awesome. Keep going. But at some point it does come to an end, unfortunately. So I'm just curious, is there, is there something else? I know we already spoke about a business, so hopefully no one takes that from us already. The half long care, half hair care. Um, but what, um, would you have any goals or any, anything in the future that you're looking to potentially get into after you are finished with your, um, your snowboard cross career? Yeah, um, I actually do some social media strategy work for my dad's business, which is um, through Asante Wealth Management. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I think that wealth management is actually super important and lots of athletes don't really talk about it for the reason that, you know, funding can be tough for us at times. Um, but coming from that background, I know how important it is to secure a future for ourselves, for everybody really. And so um, I would imagine that I end up doing some work um, through that company. I don't know what that's going to look like or when or how, um, but that's sort of something that's in the back of my mind. That's fantastic. I did some wealth management for a little while. I loved the company. I loved the clients and I loved helping people. Wasn't a huge fan of finance, um, but that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now and uh, still getting a lot of fun out of it. So cool. Kennedy, I think we hit everything on the head. I think we're good to go. So thank you so much. One more time. Kennedy Ustinen, Canadian Snowboard Association, 2022, well, current Olympic hopeful, future 2022 gold medalist in snowboard across Thank you so much, Kennedy. I really, really appreciate you being the first non-USA athlete on the podcast. We appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Kennedy Ustinen. As I said, her, our, we have had a very wide-ranging conversation. She has an incredible story, and I was very grateful that I had the opportunity to be able to share that with you and everyone else around the world. So it's a pretty, pretty incredible opportunity, and I'm, again, very, very grateful. So thank you to Kennedy. All of her socials are in the show notes and um, all of mine are there as well. So please check us out. Um, what else? Check out our website, www.ourathletes.us. If you have any feedback, please send it to me, michael at ourathletes.us on the emails. If you could, please give us five-star review in the iTunes store or wherever you're listening because that really helps us get boosted in the algorithm so that more and more people can hear these incredible stories. So I'd be very grateful if you did that for me. And make sure you go to launchingpodcast.com, promo code Mike, $50 off their easy step-by-step video course on how to create your very own podcast. So thank you all so much, as always, sincerely appreciate it, and I hope you make it a wonderful day. (laughs) 